Woohoo and yeehaw! It is Rare Breeds Month here at Pure Dog Talk. I am super excited. Yeah, baby! Yeah! An entire month of cool interviews, amazing insights, low entry breeds, rare breeds, endangered. There's something you don't see every day. Preservation battles, rare breed enthusiasts are fighting. The work they're doing may very well apply in your own breed. So I hope you'll join us. This is going to be a lot of fun. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have a super fun show for us today. This is part two of a very interesting and thought-provoking conversation. I am being joined by two amazing breeders from Canada, one on each coast, and in radically different breeds. But as part of Pure Dog Talk's Rare Breeds Month, we are talking to two of the best-known rare breeds people in North America. And that is Amanda Kelly with Manchester Terriers and Don Dealey with Corellian Bear Dogs. So I'm really excited to have you ladies join me. I know that you have amazing knowledge and experience to share with my listeners. And so welcome. Wow, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Excellent. I love this type of conversation. This is something I've just kind of started building out this concept on the podcast of having two people with not necessarily complimentary agreeing on everything ideas because there is a range of discussion, right? So Amanda, can you talk a little bit about Manchester's, the breed as a whole, the variety as a whole, and some of the struggles you face? As breeders of rare breeds, just kind of generally, not necessarily specific to the Manchester, you know, the Corellian or the Buhund, maybe even just as breeders of any breed, it behooves us to think about the drivers for ownership. You know, what is it that our breed offers that no other breed offers? Mm-hmm. What are the challenges that are unique to our breed? What are the barriers for people to consider getting one? Are they not getting any of these rare breeds because they've never heard of them? Are they not getting them because there's something about them that is maybe not what the average home is looking for? And I think that in itself is a really important thing that we all need to understand and we need to think about. So we can breed the most beautiful dogs in the history of the world, but 99.9% of anything that we breed is going to go to a pet home in most cases, in most breeds. And so what are we doing in order to ensure that we're setting our dogs up for success? Because setting individual dogs up for success in the homes that they go to has an exponential effect in, you know, having people that meet them be more interested in them. You know, every dog we breed is an ambassador for our breed. So, you know, my background is in marketing and communication. So I tend to think about things kind of from the perspective of, you know, pushes and pulls, you know, we push out information, but we also need to have a pull, right? We need to have people who are just interested in them. And we need to figure out how we get the breeds in front of them and how we match up our breeds with the right home. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I definitely think that's 100%. 
Just to add to something Amanda said there about Manchester's being the dog world's best kept secret, there is also nothing that is so traumatic that it can't be fixed by a boo hunt. Oh, <laughs> see, you guys are awesome. <laughs> we have dueling taglines. I guess. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they're oh great. You know. I do just want, Laura, to thank you for yes. featuring these breeds and this issue. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. These breeds that are lower number, they're the canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. A lot of the more popular breeds, you know, registrations in general are falling. There's lots of, we could spend hours, I'm sure, talking about the many reasons why. But the truth of the matter is that it's something that the entire dog fancy is facing together. There's power in numbers, and we all have an opportunity to work together, pooling resources, small breeds coming together to do big projects. There's lots of opportunities to do things, but we have to first recognize that we're all kind of in the same boat. I yeah. 100% agree with that, Amanda. You know, I look at the project, listeners will remember the interview I did with Joellen Gregory on the Otterhound Seaman Bank. And some of these things that are being done by rare breeds that are just amazing. I mean, our clubs don't have gazillions of dollars to throw at giant cancer research projects. But we do a lot of really amazing things, I think, that people don't even know about. So that's a big piece for me. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I know our club struggles with is having the resources to be able to undertake some of the projects that we really need in order to support our base. Right. So, you know, one of the examples that I can give you is just something as simple as a pedigree database. Yeah, something that people can go online and look up pedigrees and do coefficient of inbreeding calculations or different tools that we might offer to support breeders. And it's something that in our breed, we've been working on on and off for years and we still don't have one. So breeders in other breeds may not think of that as such a big thing, but it's just proven to be beyond our reach. If there's opportunities that we can work with other clubs to do things, mm-hmm. you know, even something as simple as, and again, this sounds silly, but even something as simple as having access to a teleconference line to have meetings for your club. Right. You know, our national breed club has struggled with technology. We have a lot of older members. They can't figure mm-hmm. out maybe necessarily how to use Skype or FaceTime. And mm-hmm. until last year, we were having our National Breed Club meetings in a chat room and typing back and forth to one another. Wow. If you can imagine. So there are opportunities to help, to support one another, to come together across breeds, to make things happen that will lift us all up, that I think that we need to think about. Again, I think that's really, really powerful. And we're just I mean, we're going through this, again, my own breed, and there's one database and we need to work with the person who owns it for everybody to have access to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of those things, because it costs money to develop these things, it costs time, it costs all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about your breed, but a lot of times this is like proprietary stuff, right? Like I accumulated all these pedigrees, right? Oh, But nothing enrages me more than that. Look, it enrages me when there's discussions of information that could be helpful to your breed being held hostage by the people who put it together, which I have such great admiration and respect for people who have put the time in 
to pull together resources, to collect breed history, to preserve things. But my question is, why are you doing it if it's not to benefit your breed? Right, right. It should just be an automatic that, of course, you would share that information. Right. Our history doesn't belong to anyone. It belongs to everyone. It is a breed resource. And so any suggestion that anyone owns something, you know, certainly they deserve the recognition and the respect and the thanks for having done that work. But if they're not willing to share it, you know, I'm not even really willing to entertain a conversation about it. I just think it's so absolutely ridiculous. And I, again, it's the same thing. It's like conversations like this that are so important to be had and people don't even know where to have them or who to have them with. And that's one of the reasons I love this opportunity on the podcast. Or in the case of my breed, not so much the Buhuns, because there is more interest in that. Mm-hmm. People aren't interested. I mean, we went on about the history of my breed a little bit in our messages, in my breed and our messaging back and forth. Right. People don't care. People do not care. They don't care what brought this breed into existence. They really could not give two hoots about why the breed is an iconic figure. It's of no interest to them whatsoever. And even in their home country, the people who literally saved these breeds, these dogs, and went through some horrific stories of personal sacrifice, they're all dead now. Right. The original kennels are all gone. And people here, for the most part, are, it's like, wow, that's really interesting, but what does it have to do with the dog? It has everything to do with the dog. <laughs> do you find, on that there's a difference in the interest in the history between the people who are breeding and showing them versus those who are maybe using them more for their original purpose, or is it just kind of across the board? Well, the thing is, is in North America, there's so few that are, I mean, I'm breeding and showing and hunting with them, but most people, there isn't enough of that going on in North America to make it, it's for people who are, and I won't bring the name of the forum that recently did a large feature on the breed. But the person responsible for authoring it contacted me and I spent a tremendous amount of time and they weren't in the slightest bit interested. They were only interested in what one particular individual in the U.S. was doing. And when I tried to point out that this was not only a historically as far from the breed as you could possibly get, but that it had nothing to do with the Corellian bear dog per se, they immediately said, well, so why would we care? You know, I said, I have 30 years in this breed. This breed's been my life. I had to learn how to speak Finnish to get through to breeders. I had to go over there. I've been one of the only North Americans ever, if not the only North American ever permitted to attend top championship trials and actually work with dogs over there. I mean, I know the people who first brought them to the U.S. I know the people who first brought them to Canada. And you're trying to tell me, well, that's irrelevant because we need to feature on what the dogs are actually doing now. You know, it kind of becomes, for me, then why care whether it's a Corellian bear dog? They're mixed, they're pureed, they're spat out as long as they're black and white and their tails curl and their ears prick. Who cares? Because there's very, very little and less every day. And I hate to sound like a doomsday seer, but that is like, well, that was a bygone time. Corellia doesn't exist anymore as a province. It's not part of Finland anymore. Nobody cares. The breed is just... It's not a thing anymore. It's just a figurehead. 
So what difference does it make? We just want this to do that. And it's kind of irrelevant, you know? So Don and Amanda, speak up if you have thoughts on this too. Do you find that to be societal? Yes. Is it that our society is such in 2020? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I mean, I'm not going to go on a big harangue about that. Right. And again, you know, we discussed the history of this in our messages back and forth. And even in Finland now, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that was my grandfather's issue. That was my grandparents' issue. We don't have to worry about that anymore because we're all happy neighbors and we're all going to get along. But I do remember one thing, and then I'm going to really have to go and run because I've got talks to do. But back in the mid-2000, it was either 2005, 2006, and the Finnish Spitz, which is Finland's national dog, was experiencing a few health issues, inbreeding issues. And so the then president of the Finnish Kennel Club, Kari Jarvanen, decided that, you know what, we're going to permit the crossbreeding and cross-registration of the Carolo Finnish Laika with the Finnish Spitz, which is basically an identical breed. Mm. But it came from the wrong side of the border. And I remember the national headlines. <laughs> and these weren't headlines in national dog papers. These were headlines in general publications. Wow. Finland and Russia at war again. Wow. Yeah. And that was an attempt to bring more diversity, more genetic breadth and depth into the breed. Mm -hmm. But because that dog came from the other side, whoa, you did not want to go there. Now it's just a foregone thing. Right. I think it's kind of fascinating, too, the differences North America and Europe. I mean, there's, again, we could do this for hours and days, right? Yeah. <laughs> Society and changes that we see, right? Yeah. I wonder, I do agree that there is certainly an element of societal attitudes that come to play here. But, you know, we see the same thing in my breed. And my breed is largely a fancier's breed. I mean, really and right. truly, the Manchester Terrier exists today 100% because of dog shows. Right. There are no people out there in the world, or if so, very few of them, who are breeding this breed for the pet market. Um, they exist as a function of competition. And I think when the driver for your breed is competition, the interest and the information needs of the people who are breeding them are also different. They are breeding because at the end of the day, they want to show and they want to do well. Now, I mean, I personally think that understanding the history of the breed is going to help you do that. You know, certainly you'll have more success in producing the elements described in, in your breed standard if you understand the reasons <laughs> for them. Right. But you can breed dogs if you're kind of good at basic generic dog structure. You can breed them without knowing in depth the whole history piece. So I do agree that there's a societal influence, but I think there's also an element of the reasons that people are breeding them to begin with. Right. And I think that's actually really, really a great observation. And once again, a fabulous reason to have the two of you and the two different breeds side by side, the functional and the fancier. And it was good fun. Thank you both so much. I really, really appreciate your time. I think we're going to have like two conversations to share with people. So <laughs> oh, anything I can do. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. All right, crew. Embark 
is really, really committed to providing a resource for responsible breeders and purebred dog enthusiasts. And we know these are tough times. And to help serve breeders right now, when we need it, starting in April, Embark is going to reduce its prices significantly through a series of sales and programs to help make the DNA testing even more accessible for everybody. So stop by, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders, or hop onto their Embark for Breeders Facebook page and take a look at what they have on offer. As always, Embark's leading DNA test kits provide a comprehensive assessment of your dog's genetic health, genetic diversity, and physical traits. And I can tell you, I just got back the two Embark tests that I had done on my own dogs, and it was so cool, and I spent like half the day clicking through all the fun stuff. So stop by the Pure Dog Talk website and click the Embark logo on the homepage and take a look at what they have on offer. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.